0: Welcome to Jaffa Space, a podcast about the world of Jewish outdoor, food, farming, and environmental education, or as we like to call it, Jaffe. Welcome to our new series, After the Plague, Nigel Savage in conversation with new guests each week discussing the state of the world and the global Jewish community in a post-COVID-19 world. You'll hear an inside account of how each of our guests is experiencing the lockdown, as well as timely conversations for a changing world. So grab a cup of tea or head out for a walk and join us as we talk about everything from favorite ice cream flavors to the international response to climate change.
1: I want to say hi, everybody, and welcome to After the Plague. And it's, um, I guess, whatever date it is, it's, the, it's Sunday, the 21st of June. And we were looking back, we've had 16 people on After the Plague so far. And the youngest I think probably was in their early 30s and their oldest was in their mid-80s and we were like we need to have some teams on and it was well-timed because the last two months has seen the launch of the Jewish youth climate movement which has has helped to create and to facilitate so we decided to have four of the leaders of the Jewish youth climate movement um, with us today we didn't know that the news media was going to begin today with news of TikTok teams who took it upon themselves to uh, book empty seats at a political rally that took place in Tulsa, Oklahoma yesterday. So leaving aside even the politics of it, that clearly represents the teens of this country uh, sort of adding themselves directly to the public conversation. And so I wanna say thank you and welcome to the four of you. And I think we just wanna begin by inviting you to just like literally tell us a couple of sentences about where you are. and what it means to be Jewish to you, and how you feel about the world at the moment. Anna, Tali?
2: Hi everyone, so the Jewish value I keep coming back to during these times is tikkun olam. I just keep thinking about like during this time when the world is so crazy, we're all locked up because of coronavirus, protests are raging about the Black Lives Matter movement, what path can we take during this time to fix the world? And I just keep I guess kind of wondering about what our place as teens is specifically in upholding that value, whether it's like through TikTok, holding seats in a Trump rally, or through any other means, like through the Jewish youth climate movement. I keep coming back to how we can fix the world from our current standpoint.
1: Thank you, and just, um, you're in New York, right? Oh, yes, I'm in New York on the Upper New- West Side. Gotcha, and you're in high school? I am in high school. Okay, Tally and then Noah.
0: I'm Tali, I'm 17, and I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Um, and I've been reflecting a lot on Judaism during this really, like, scary and uncertain time, like, we, we've seen scary times like this before, and I just keep coming back to thinking, like, maybe this is too optimistic, but I think, like, I think in the next few months and years, we're really going to think, see things change, and that's what, that's what I'm really hoping for, and I think that's what we're working for, too.
1: Thank you.
3: Uh, Noah, Eli. Yeah, hi everybody, I'm, um, I'm Noah. Uh, I use he, him pronouns, I'm 17 years old. I live in uh, Northampton, Massachusetts in Western Mass. And um, let's see, uh, you know, I'm feeling really, obviously it's a really scary time right now and it's really, there's so many things in motion, uh, so much changes to everybody's everyday lives. But like Tolly, I'm really feeling very hopeful about um, the movements that are being born out of this moment, um, specifically uh, the Black Lives Matter movements, um, and you know, kind of the massive growth of these movements, saying that no, we are going to seek out equality and justice and understanding between people. Um, and that really brings me to the Jewish concept, the Jewish thing that's been on my mind the most, which is definitely Tzedek, um, and always, uh, always reaching for justice and and fighting for our Jewish conception of justice, um, I think, is super important. So, yeah.
4: Thank you. Eli. Hi, everyone. I'm Eli. I actually live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, right where the Trump rally was last night. Um, yeah, it's been really different these last few months. Um, especially last night, we had to. I work at a bike shop in downtown Tulsa near where the Trump rally was. We had to close down and all go to the other location. And through that, I've been also looking through a Jewish lens on it. I've been learning a lot more about Judaism through this time, because I haven't been going to school a lot, obviously. Um, so I've been trying to learn as much as I can about my Judaism and how Judaism plays a role. And like what Noah said, it's amazing to see all of these movements um, coming through this pretty rough time. Um, like Noah said again, the Black Lives Matter movement becoming more prominent than ever. Um, the Jewish Youth Climate Movement is growing still. And yeah, it's been pretty weird these past few months.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I, um, first of all, I, I really genuinely wanna thank each of you. And I wanna note that you're in four different states. You've got four different backgrounds. You've had quite different Jewish journalists. Um, we were chatting. So the last week or the last week, and, and somebody, or the week before, and somebody said, and luckily I don't know who said this, so I'm not gonna ask whoever it is to go, to, to go on the record, but somebody, we were talking about climate, and somebody said, all the old people have screwed it up. And I, I, I wanted to ask any of you to just riff on that for a second, the notion of like, all of the old people have screwed it up. Say a couple of sentences about what that what that sentence what that phrase means to any of you
2: well I think I can own saying that although I'm sure other
3: people uh, may agree with me in that I think you know that's a that's obviously a pretty confrontational way of saying it I'd, I'd think I I'd think a better way of kind of articulating what I was trying to say is just that you know as a as a nation, as people, as humans, we have really uh, failed in our responsibility to make sure that all of our other fellow humans are safe and secure, and taken care of, and not subject to cruelty or brutality uh, or you know unfair economic hardship. Um, and I think you know, obviously, the people who have been here the longer have been failing on that responsibility for the longest, right? Um, in a you know democratic or supposedly democratic place like America, we. Um, you know, we have the responsibility at the very least to vote and vote on the values of humanity and justice. And so uh, that's, that's my main, that was my main thing in saying that old people screwed it up. Although there's certainly a lot of young people who are also not living up to their full responsibility. Thank you. Does, does
1: anybody want to add anything to that?
2: I just want to add this sense. I've been feeling that like, ever since growing up, climate justice and fighting against climate change has been something that I've had to seek out for myself kind of. It's been my interest and so I've like gone to places and signed up for meetings at places that discuss the issue but it hasn't really been something that's been at the forefront of my education or the minds of like all of the adults who have been teaching me and especially given that there's the sense of youth being the people who are going to have to deal with the effects of climate change for the longest. I think that should definitely be rectified.
1: Yeah look statistically um Hopefully, all of you should be alive in the year 2100, which is an amazing thought, given that there was a piece in the paper this weekend about Miami being sort of underwater by 2170. I'm originally from from England, and, and I guess three years ago now, there was the vote for Britain to withdraw from Europe, called Brexit, and the voting totally correlated with age. And the older that you were, the higher the proportion of people who voted to exit from Europe, And the younger that you were, the more that you were against it. And teenagers in Britain literally said we don't even legally have a vote, and people who are 50 years older than us have just deprived us of our EU citizenship, like literally the right to live and work in 18 countries in Europe. And I think it was the first time that I saw that generational issue play out so so very very intensely. And I I think in general on the one hand things don't have to be about age, Right, you can be a good person or a bad person at any age, and so on and so on. But I, I think it is interesting having the the ability to imagine being alive in 2100, which is kind of sci-fi. Yeah, Ty. Um,
0: I just wanted to add something else. A few months ago, I was um, at this environmental conference in Michigan. Um, it was like environment and politics, and um, I was one of the only people there, like under 40. But um, it was actually a really interesting experience because I was talking to so many of these people that were older and like realizing like they, they have been trying to fight this fight and like old, a lot of like um, older people like really support us and want to be a part of this. And I think like um, we're going to be suffering the effects along this, but like we can still learn a lot from like people who worked on campaigns like in the 70s and 80s. And that was really exciting to me.
1: Uh, I I was interested, Khazan has has talked for quite a while now about doing three things like learning, acting and speaking up. I'm interested to know for each of you, and I really genuinely don't know the answer to this, but was there a particular moment for each of you when this issue to you became important? A conversation, you had a video, something that you read, but to the extent that you're involved in the leadership of the Jewish Youth Climate Movement now, when did either either the climate crisis or the interaction between climate crisis and being Jewish actually first become important to you. Was this this gradual? Does it feel like it's always been true? Was there a particular moment?
2: I actually have a particular moment that stands out to me. I remember, I think this was in like 2018 maybe. And I was reading this article, I don't remember from where, and the headline was something along the lines of we have 12 years left to reverse the effects of climate change. And like, after that point, we would not be able to. And that just struck me and that stuck with me for so long afterwards, because just 12 years is such a small quantized amount of time. And just like, I guess, kind of seeing in that, those concrete terms like that really just made it real for me.
1: Thank you.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd say at least for kind of, I think the climate crisis was kind of always in the back of my head. Growing up, you know, growing up in a pretty liberal place, it's not its not something that people were really denying. It was some kind of something that everybody agreed about. Um, and yet, it was like this really far off, especially as like a kid, as a 10 year old, 11 year old, year, 12 year old, it's really far off issue. Like, you know, I heard about like, oh, carbon tax, you know, carbon fee and dividend, oh, all these things. And like, you have to be like a congr- congressperson or go and advocate at a state house or whatever to get anything done. And so that was always kind of intimidating. I think that really um, what kind of pushed me into, oh, no, anybody can act, was joining um, a, local, a local group that some of my peers, uh, my friends had had formed, and uh, really being with other young people, just advocating at a local level by holding rallies. Um, as for kind of the Jewish part, I think it was much less gradual, I mean, much more gradual, but definitely being part of going to Teva, um, which I know a lot of people you know are involved with, uh, going to the Ramah camp that I went to in, in the Rocky Mountains that was just in this gorgeous wildlife. Um, and just being around all of the brilliant kind of Jewish environmental, environmentalists that are in my congregation was kind of what brought that together.
1: Thank you. And I think at least a couple of you, maybe all of you have actually been involved in doing stuff or trying to do stuff in your schools or in your synagogues. And uh, I guess I'm interested to hear, like what have you been up to? How has it gone? What has been exciting? What's been hard?
2: Um, In my school, I started an environmental club with a couple of my friends, which like basically once a week, we invite anyone in the school who wants to come to talk about environmental issues with us to maybe do some letter writing to Congress people and that kind of thing. And although there has been some enthusiasm among some people about that, what I keep encountering, unfortunately, is that a lot of people just I guess don't care about the issue enough to come or feel that they individually can't make enough of a change and that coming to the club wouldn't necessarily do that much and I think we really need to fight that idea of apathy that a lot of people have.
1: Anybody want to add anything um, um, like your take? Um, Because part of it is also a question of like what does it feel like in a sense, like the wider version of this is, what does it feel like to be 17 and to care about this? And, and I guess to feel some of your friends care about these things and some of them don't. And it's also kind of like a strange moment right now when you're sort of like not in school or you're connecting in different ways. Like, I'm just interested, how does it feel to be engaged in this stuff at the moment? Does it, does it feel exciting? Does it feel stressful? I
0: think it feels really exciting um I think like as as scary as the past few years like have been like everything like I don't know since like I've been in middle school has been really scary and like new and um you know all the current events of Trump presidency but like seeing so many more people like kind of start to understand the urgency and start fighting and like everyone fighting for the Black Lives Matter movement right now and like um understanding how the environment interacts with racism, like environmental racism and stuff, is really energizing. And I think, like, we can really carry the energy of this moment into, like, long-term change.
1: What feels hard at the moment? Like, just uh, this this doesn't have to be about the environment, but what feels hard about, as it were, being you about being 17? I mean, some combination, I guess, of COVID and, and the world that's going on, but what's the... What's your sort of like general feeling right now, each of you, about the balance between feeling excited about things and, and stressed about things? Like really genuinely, I'm, I'm just interested to get almost a snapshot of like the rhythm of your day and week at the moment and, and like how your summer is looking.
3: Yeah, well, I think it's, it's really hard because being 17 is a time when, you know, at, when you're when you're 17, when you're a, junior, a rising senior at the time when The world is kind of telling you, okay, time to plan for the future, Um, time to apply to some colleges, decide, you know, get some cool things over the summer, plan your next year. Um, Obviously, this is not a time extremely conducive to planning. Um, So that's kind of the biggest challenge to me. And I think that really extends into the world of activism and advocacy as well, because you can't plan. We can't say, oh, we want to have a big rally in August because we have no clue what the world's going to look like. Um, and it definitely extends to the everyday life too. You don't know what your you know what next week's going to look like, um, and so it's kind of a day by day, minute by minute kind of thing in in all aspects of life. I think
1: you are, and you were all in school, sort of remotely. and school has ended now. Eli, how's the what's what's your feeling in in
4: Tulsa? Um. So my. My summer's pretty stressful. I just started a job at a bike shop, um, but other than that, I've been working a lot. I've been working pretty hard with the JYCM, the Jewish Youth Climate Movement, to try and get up and running. And like Noah said, it's really hard to kind of gain traction because we obviously can't meet in person. We can't get to know each other in person. We can't have rallies and stuff like that. And we can't. We also can't meet with people in person. Meet with partnerships, potential partnerships, to. Kind of talk things over try and get to know each other more and that's one of the i think for me that's one of the most difficult parts about um covid and stuff is we can't be together we can't meet and we can't really get to know each other and it's really difficult to start a movement when you can't have a rally when you can't do anything along the lines of that so that's one of the more difficult situations that we're in right now
1: although i have to say i'm kind of in as I've spent bits of time with you at the way that you all seem to have built relationships amongst yourselves, even across distance. I think it's one of the strange things at the moment, that we can't meet each other physically, but in other senses, like bringing everybody. Chazon um, did a big gathering seven years ago about Shemitah, about the sabbatical year, and we brought people from Europe, Israel, and the States to London. We had an amazing gathering, and we were planning to do one this winter, even though we hadn't fixed the time or date of it, we hadn't raised the money for it. And then given everything that's happened, we did a, a smaller version of that online two weeks ago. And it was kind of like amazing. It cost a lot less money and a lot less carbon. And I, I think in that sense, there is, a, there is a trade-off that suddenly it is possible to, to sort of like connect uh, online. Tali, what's, what's your rhythm at the moment? What's your feeling balance-wise?
0: like of what i'm up to right
1: now yeah
0: okay um yeah i'm pretty busy this summer i was expecting not to be i was going to be like at my summer camp for pretty much the whole year the whole summer but now i'm not um so i work at an ice cream shop and i have a remote internship on a congressional campaign um and i like i'm doing some other things like with jycm and other things
1: And the ice cream shop is a physical one because like the world has started to open up again in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yes. But everybody's like six feet away as you hand them there.
0: They're supposed to be, but they're not always.
1: Are you assuming that life is going to, you know, that you're going to be going back to school in the fall normally or that we are still going to be remote? and I don't even know if your schools have even decided this yet. Like, do you presently know what your senior year in high school looks like yeah so my school has put out um my school district
3: has put out 10 scenarios um and uh we're kind of thinking about all of those we don't really know it ranges all the way from everything being remote to you know going every other week to going two days out of the week so uh
4: no i have no clue (laughs) um i kind of do they haven't really announced it but My mom kind of works with the school district in uh, capacity so for Tulsa Public Schools at least where I live it's gonna most likely be two days on three days off or you can stay the entire time and not go to school if your parents don't want you to interact with that many people to be around that many people so it's I'm pretty sure I'm staying remote for at least the fall semester and then we're gonna try and figure out a better way for the spring semester to go, but it's most likely going to be remote.
1: I have to say that I found it pretty stressful personally and it's been stressful professionally. And I really can't imagine being 17 and coping with all of this at the moment because I think that it's a time that you're studying hard on the one hand and that's important, but it's also a time that you're spending time with your friends and that's kind of important too. And both pieces of it I think have just been have been have been disrupted you um, know I say a little bit um, you mentioned this earlier on but say a little bit also about your Jewish journey like I, I e- each of you has different Jewish backgrounds but I'm kind of interested how you put the pieces together between the the environmental piece and the Jewish
4: piece um, yeah so my parents uh, my dad is actually not Jewish my mom is um, And my grandfather on my mom's side, he was born in Iran, moved to Israel when he was 16, moved to the United States when he was 18. So he's had this long journey of being able to be in the United States because of his Judaism. He was was persecuted in Iran for being Jewish. He had to hide it for all of his life until he moved to Israel. And so for me, Judaism has always been apparent in my life, even though I've gone to Christmas services. I've gone to Easter services with my dad and that side of my family, but I've always gone to the high high holidays and all of these like normal Jewish things, but I never really went out of my way to be more Jewish than I was or to at least practice more. Um, But last summer, I went to BBYO's um, full Perlman summer. So I spent six weeks in Lake Como, Pennsylvania, which is in the middle of nowhere. We had like no Wi-Fi with, um, in the beginning of the summer, 270 uh, Jewish teens, and then in the second half, like 275 or something Jewish teens with, I want to say seven or eight rabbis, where we learned about various things, whether it was how to be a leader in BBYO, how to be a leader outside of BBYO, and also, what it means to be Jewish. So last summer, I went on a kind of a wild goose chase to find my Judaism. At the beginning of the summer, I had only worn a kippah during services. Um, by the end of the summer, I was wrapping tefillin every morning, going to services three times a day, and wearing a kippah every single day until I like went to bed. So over the last summer, I really found my Judaism, found how to be, my kind of Jew, I guess. Um, Yeah, and then I was never really involved in climate activism until JYCM, or until I started talking to Liana. I think it was December of this year. It was a couple of months ago. Um, And I'd never, I've always wanted to be involved in climate change or climate activism, not climate change. but there wasn't really an outlet for me to do it. I never really was seeking for it either. So I, there were various things that I could do, but I never really tried um, until um, Simon Lowen, who went to, I forget which, um, which, oh, I am blanking. Um, I forget which, oh, he was at Teva. Um, He was a half last fall, and he connected me and Sophie Raskin, who's also on the board, um, with Liana, and we started talking, and then it was really a really good outlet for me to be a climate activist because I've been to a few rallies throughout my teenage years, but there wasn't really anything more than that. So it's been a really good way to kind of rise up to the occasion and um, get more involved.
1: Look, I, I, I want to add a couple of things to what you said that I, 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 one of the things that I think is interesting is that, and going back to something I said earlier on, that each of you really has had a different Jewish journey, different families, different family history, different observance, as one jigsaw piece, and a real sense of wanting to do something in the world. And I think it's impressive the way that each of you models doing those two things together and not seeing them as a contradiction. I also want to add, in your case, you may say that, that you think you've only recently got involved in climate activism, but I think you've been a pretty active cyclist for a long time. And if we had, more, if we had as many people in this country on bicycles as there are in Copenhagen or Amsterdam, then we'd have um, a lot less carbon in the atmosphere, a lot less asthma in our cities, and we would all be healthier. And I feel like you're a role model to all of us in not just like riding our bikes, but like learning how to fix our bikes. And I don't even know when you started riding, by the way, but I think you're a pretty serious bike
4: guy. Um, yeah, so I, I've always like kind of known how to ride a bike, but um, my freshman year, so going on four years ago, I started actually like riding my bike, kind of training, kind of trying to get in shape, which I was playing soccer at the time, so I was still in pretty good shape, but my dad's always been a cyclist. He's gone to races, whether... I was there just playing with my sister, not really paying attention to the races um, or actually racing a few of them whenever I was like five or six. But freshman year, I really started and I started racing in the Oklahoma community. I would go to Oklahoma City, which is like an hour and a half drive to go race. And then this last um, year, I stepped up pretty, took a big step up in my um, cycling career. And I went to the cyclocross nationals in Tacoma, Washington last year. And I was 60th in the nation last year for cyclocross, which was pretty cool. Um, Yeah, and there's an amazing cycling community in Tulsa. There's thousands of people who ride their bikes. There's a Wednesday night ride that gets upwards of 200 people on it every single Wednesday night. And there's Saturdays that they have the Saturday morning rumble and all of these different rides that you can go on. So it's an amazing community. Um, I,
1: I want to I, I say I've forgotten this. A few years ago, it's quite a few years ago now, Kazan worked in New York with transportation alternatives to lobby for protected bike lanes. And Tali, I think you're at shell. And the key vote was in Community Board Seven. Actually, I share this with you it was a great story about teenage activism. Community Board Seven is the group that ultimately takes decisions about the Upper West Side. And for reasons that still are baffling to me, it was an exceptionally contentious meeting. It was an over four-hour meeting with people arguing about whether there would be protected bike lanes or not. And almost like the 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 the, the intervention that tipped people over, more than 50 people I think has spoken, was a 15-year-old who had somehow been involved in and our bike rides, who wore a kippah, and who stood up and he said, um, we need these protected bike lanes because I want to be able to ride my bike to school with friends of mine, and none of their parents will let them ride their bikes in the city unless there is a protected bike lane and if you lot agreed to put protected bike lanes in here it's not just that it will make the safe city the city safer for adults and kids and reduce fatalities and reduce injuries but it will like let me ride to school with my friends (laughs) and it was like all these people who like clapped and cheered and the final vote was 23 to 19 like it was really that close I'm, i'm embarrassed i've forgotten the name of this kid, but, like, I think he actually made the decisive intervention. It's a reminder also, by the way, that, like, um, not all politics is presidential politics. I mean, not everything is politics to start with, but speaking up in a school or a synagogue or in a local neighborhood is and can be as, as consequential as, you know, uh, you know, things on a, on a sort of like whole national scale. I think I'm interested, I was asking Eli in a sense about his Jewish journey. I'm interested to hear from from any of you as well if you are, like are you in the same place Jewishly that you were five years ago? You're in a different place. What's, what's influenced you in a sense in, 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 in your own Jewish journeys at this point?
3: Yeah, well, definitely in a very different place than five years ago. Uh, first of all, Nigel, just wanted to jump on what you were saying about local politics we um I could talk about this a little bit later maybe if it comes up again but I have been incredibly amazed by the involvement of teenagers uh college students and high school students in my city in the last like two weeks um over the the recent budget season and these local politics which are really so much often much more significant to everyday life than presidential politics so I just wanted to add that in there but um you know on the level of um of being my Jewish identity I think For me, it's kind of constantly in flux. So, um, you know, I am, uh, you know, kind of that 100% Ashkenazi Jewish, uh, you know, every ancestor back in the shtetl kind of identity, uh, ethnically or, um, you know, and and in in terms of my ancestors, Um, but definitely religiously, it's been really, I think, weird. I, you know, I went to a Jewish day school um, uh, for seven years. And I then, uh, you know, after that, I didn't go to any more Jewish schools, but I started going to uh, a Ramah camp. Um, and going to the Ramah camp actually really made me inspired to become more religious. My family has never been, you know, we, we actually go to go to synagogue quite often. We'd go, you know, maybe every other Saturday on a lot of holidays. Um, but, you know, didn't observe. We would use our, we use our phones on, on Saturdays and, um, you know, don't, don't keep strictly kosher. Um, and so going to Going to Armado really brought me into kind of this Jewish community that was so beautiful um, and was so, so kind of felt so sacred to me that it made me want to bring that home after the summer. Um, and so I started to become more observant in various ways, you know, kind of very year by year what I was choosing to do for myself. And my family was still uh, kind of not not going that way. But I think it was a really interesting journey for me. You know, now at this point, I'm not not really observant either in in keeping Shabbat or keeping Kashrut particularly, but I am um, you know, still, I think, on a journey, definitely, and still try to kind of make Jewish sacred spaces in my life still, you know, when it's not COVID, love to go to synagogue, love to be in my community. Um, And I think really the most important part of my Jewish identity, like I was talking about at the beginning, is how it's informed my values. Um, Because I really think that my values of seeking justice, my values of looking out for, you know, keeping an eye out for marginalized people and and the needs um, of people who are not like me, Uh, caring for the stranger. I think those are all really Jewish values that I don't know. I don't know if I'd have them if it weren't for that, that part of my identity.
1: Thank you. And and Talia and Anna, you as well, you're in, you're in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and you're in New York. You're in a place that probably has not so many Jewish people you're at Heschel, you're a Haban in person. Give us a couple of, of snapshots of, of, of your respective journeys as well.
0: I can go. Um, so yeah, I live in West Michigan, which is um as n- not the most um Jewishly populated place, if you can believe it. Um, but my my mom grew up on Long Island in New York. So she like kind of I kind of had that experience from her, but not really. Like um in my town there are three there are three synagogues in Grand Rapids, like Kabad, Conservative, and Reform. And like I never I was about mitzvah I went to Sunday school, but it never it never felt and it still doesn't feel very exciting. It's not like um it's not fun to go to Sunday school or services. And like that's really sad, especially because like I don't have I don't have very many Jewish friends at school and like I like have been known to just like say oh yeah I had a good Christmas just because it's easier um but I think um a few years ago I started going to a Jewish Habanim Jor camp which really informed my values um, because we spend so much time there talking about Tzedek and Tikkun Olam and that like kind of has made me has made me feel much more Jewish and much more spiritual um but I'm definitely still on a journey I don't I don't keep Kashrut very much or observe Shabbat very much. I'm not sure if I'd like to, um, in this process, uncertain process of applying to colleges, I'm definitely like keeping, keeping what their Jewish life looks like in mind, but I don't really know.
1: Thank you. And Anna, you don't have to bet anything you want to
2: add. I'd love to, yeah. So I live on the Upper West Side. I've gone to a Jewish school for all of my life, so I've always been surrounded by the Jewish community. And yet despite that, there's always been this atmosphere at my school that like kind of the Jewish subjects are less cool than the secular subjects. Like it's more like, oh good, we have math and oh no, we have Talmud class, that kind of thing. But And so I kind of fell in with that crowd initially just because it's easier because that's kind of the dominant ideology. But then once I entered high school, the thing that kind of appealed to me was the spirituality and morality element of Judaism, like rather than just kind of archaic laws to learn, they were things that were still applicable to our lives today and things that informed our own ethical code so i think that kind of learning more about the moral and spiritual aspects of judaism really connected me with jewish culture at large
1: so i, I think as we as we start to sort of almost come into land i think i'm just interested to ask each of you what would you say to um, the heads of your school the heads of your synagogues to leaders in your community, around climate or environmental crisis, what are the the things that you would like to either say to people who are older or have more authority than you or to people who are running institutions that you're involved in? What are the changes that you'd like to see happen or what are the things that you feel, as it were, that my generation or your parents or grandparents' generation ought to be doing differently or paying attention to?
2: For me one thing that i would say is definitely just to get the message across this is not just one more political issue because a lot of times i see it kind of cropping up at least in my school and organizations i'm involved in as like oh yes this is an issue that's important but it's kind of just like all the others like maybe we'll devote one program a year to it that type of thing and i think it's just really important to convey that this isn't kind of just like one more political issue this is the issue kind of at the crux of the survival of humanity and as a result we should have like definitely in schools, way more education about it in classes ranging from science to humanities classes. And then I guess outside of schools and education, just like it should be a topic of conversation. Like this should be at the front of everyone's minds rather than lingering at the back. Hmm. Thank you.
3: Yeah, well, I'd say, um, I'd say similarly, I think, right. It's not not any other issue, it's a crisis. And I think that's the really big reason why you know, especially through the organization, through organizations like Sunrise, which I know myself and Tali are involved with, um, we don't just advocate the politics of environmentalism or, or, you know, mitigating climate change by themselves. We advocate it as wholesale Green New Deal politics. Um, And the idea is that it's not, uh, it's not contradictory to want to spend money fighting climate change and to want to Spend money on reparations to Black Americans, for example. It's not contradictory to want to reduce economic inequality um, and to want to, you know, ban plastics or whatever. Um, These are all part of the same thing, which is fighting to get back against systemic oppression. Um, And so I'd say that's something that I think people who have been in the system for longer, these uh, quote-unquote kind of older figures of authority have a really tough time grasping because, you know, to a certain extent they have, uh, benefited from a lot of these policies, from a lot of the ways these instit- our institutions are set up. That's why I think it's so important to have young leadership. That's why I think it's so important that, like, okay, you can go and talk to your mayor, you can go and talk to your superintendent or your rabbi as much as you want, and you can try to convince and you can bring forward all of the evidence and all of the ideas, and that's great, and maybe they will change their minds. But if they don't, we live in a democratic society, that's when you vote people out. Maybe that doesn't quite apply with a rabbi, but certainly with a mayor or a superintendent. Um, and uh, that's, I think, the really important thing is that we're not just, you know, you can't just be an activist and tell people what to do. You have to be ready to go in and become, you know, take over the system if you need to. Um, One thing, actually, I've been advocating for on a local level in my city, which I think connects to that really deeply, is um, extending municipal voting rights to 16 and 17 year olds, and so we're kind of maybe 75 percent through the process of getting that policy enacted in our city, Um, and that's one of the kinds of things that can not only like inspire we shouldn't only inspire 16 and 17 year olds to take action but we should inspire them to actually become part of the system um and and change it from from within
4: so yeah thank you charlie eli Um, for me i'm pretty lucky both my synagogue and school are um pretty um ahead of the curve i guess you could say with climate change Um, My school actually, we had a climate change rally uh, last year, and my school actually made it okay for us to leave school and go to that rally to raise support for um, or against climate change. Um, And my synagogue has also been really ahead of the curve. We have started composting three years ago. We started gardening. I don't even remember how long ago. It's always been a thing that there's always just been a garden in my synagogue. Like that's just like a normal thing. Um, And I'm actually lucky enough to be on my synagogue's board of directors. So I get an actual say within the board of directors. Me and Sophie, who's also on this board, we are both the teen representatives from our synagogue. So we get a say in our synagogue if they do something that, or if they don't do something that we Would like them to we can speak up and they listen to us just as much as any other person on the board so it's really great to be able to voice our opinion at the actual board table and be able to be heard.
1: Thank you. Ty?
0: Yeah I guess to all of the people that are in charge like my superintendent and my mayor like this isn't it this is bigger than just like one political issue, right? Like I met with my mayor before the climate strike in December and like my friend and I were asking her to come um, to come to the strike with us and support us and like picture like such a small town. Like she got there and she said, you look just like your mom. Um, and so like, and I, we were like, will you come? And she's like, oh, well, I really want to, like, I really want to support you, but like, I don't want to seem political. Like it's, And the same with my, like with my principal at school, like he wouldn't let me put up posters for the climate strike. And so like, you, we kind of have to zoom out and like, just because something is politicized, like, unfortunately, like caring about the earth has become a partisan issue, but like, it shouldn't be. And like, we all need to be fighting this fight together.
1: Okay, I I wanna say, um, I think a a couple of last things. One is that, you know, Chazan has been rolling out the Khazan Seal of Sustainability over the last two, three years as a pilot. We're in 60 or 70 institutions now, but I don't, we've mostly been aiming at synagogues and JCCs. I actually realise, as I'm speaking, I don't know how many schools are actually in it, but the Khazan Seal is like a multi-year process to green an institution and for an institution to commit to a multi-year process of change. Again, looking at education, action and advocacy. And I think... To the four of you, but also to anybody watching this, I would say anybody who's a team, just Google, just find Jewish Youth Climate Movement. But um, Noah and Anna and Tali and Eli and a whole bunch of their friends would invite you to get involved. I think any school that wants to be part of the Chazan Seal is warmly invited to do that. Now, I think I wanna just mention um, two other things before we start to wrap. One is that um, in two weeks time, we're gonna start a pilot of Arama at home. And Adamat is our Summer Fellowship in Jewish Farming and Leadership. Normally, it's a three-month program, a physical program, and the age range is 18 to 30. Um, but this year, for the first time, we're going to do it virtually. And I realize we said the age range is 18 to 98, but it really probably should mean 17 or 16 to 98. So anybody who wants to be involved in that is invited. And then the final thing, we haven't announced this publicly, this is probably the first time I'll have said it semi-publicly, but July 4th weekend, we are going to launch the 2020 Vision Rides, which is a program this summer from Khazan to encourage people not just to ride their bikes, but to hike, to run, to like move, and to both be healthy and be less in a car, and to do it both to make a difference in the world and to raise money for Khazan for a series of our programs. One of the teams is the JYCM team, which Eli is co-captaining. So there's literally nothing online yet. We haven't launched it, but if you look out in about 10 days time, if you're interested, if you go to JYCM or the Hazan website, there'll be our 2020 Vision Rides and you're warmly invited to join it. I think for now to each one of you and to your friends, the other people who are involved in JYCM, also to Liana and Tally, uh, Liana and Ellie, and other people at Fazan who've been involved in this, but really to everybody, I wanna say thank you to everybody. And in this very strange time, I wanna encourage us to move the Jewish community forward, move the world forward. Um, As you have all said, know that this is about everything. And that slowly but surely, we actually have to create a healthier and more sustainable Jewish community and a more sustainable and a more equitable world for everybody. So thank you very much and take care. All the best. Bye-bye. Thank you.